God, we love you. Oh, Savior of the world. Our Savior. Our Redeemer. Our Healer. Father, we love you, Lord. With everything that we've got, we'll love you, Lord. And Father, we need you to move this morning. Move into every heart, Father God. Move into every mind this morning, Father God. Heal bodies, Father. Restore relationships, Father. Bring marriages back together again, Lord. Father, have your way in this room. Have your way online, Lord. Have your way, for it's all about you. We're here to worship you this morning. We're here to serve you, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. And as we turn to your word, Father, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we know, Father, that your word never returns to your void, but always accomplishes the reason and the purpose for which it's been sent. Father, have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Amen, everyone. Let's encourage our band this morning. Come on, church. Phenomenal. Make some noise for them. God is so good. God is so good. You're looking well. Yeah, yeah, amen. You're looking well. You're looking good today. Looking, yeah. I'll let him go there. The scripture's going to go on the screen. Where is it? There we are. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. The crowd soon gathered. And he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, All right. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the eldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Neither do I go and sin no more. Think about those words. Really think about them. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And what a thing for Jesus to say. Is that even possible? To go and sin no more. Now these words, guys, have been really heavy on my heart for the past number of weeks. For myself, <clears throat> and also for all you guys here in the auditorium and all you guys watching and listening online. And the more I think about these words, the more heaviness I feel in the spirit. We don't hear these words very often, do we? 
I mean, we don't get out of bed every day and go and stand in front of the mirror, look ourselves square in the face and, and say to ourselves, hey, go and sin no more. But maybe we should. Maybe we should. Because the things that we tell ourselves every single day are the things that we build our lives on. And if we're not telling ourselves the right things, then whatever it is that we're telling ourselves is wrong, and that is preventing and hindering the blessings of God operating in our lives the way that God wants them to operate. We say things like, well, I'm saved. I'm born again by the Spirit of God. All my sins, my past, my future, my present sins, are, they're all forgiven. So because they're all forgiven, then I could just go and live my life how I see fit. Guys, that is the biggest lie that the enemy has ever told humanity. And the second lie is just as dangerous. And the second lie is that, oh, well, you know, God knows every struggle in my life. God knows every shortfall. God knows every weakness. And do you know what? God's gracious and he's kind and he's caring. And do you know, he understands. God, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, he knows your struggle. Yes, he knows your weakness. He understands why you do those things. And that's the problem. God knows why we do the things that we do. And that's not a benefit. That's the problem. That should make us wake up. Because to say that God understands and it's okay to do those things is to say that God winks at sin. We say things like this to ourselves. Maybe you can relate. We say things to yourselves like, oh, well, you know, God, God knows that I struggle with sex outside of marriage. God knows that I try. God knows that I'm doing my best. And... But you're not doing your best because it's a choice. We say things to ourselves like, well, God knows that I struggle with telling lies. God, God, God understands that that's a weakness in my life and, and, and he knows that I'm trying to stop. He knows I'm trying very hard, but you're not trying very hard because it's a choice. We tell our things like, you know, God knows that I struggle with going out the weekend getting drunk. God sees my heart. God knows that I'm really trying not to do that and he understands. Well, no, you're not trying hard enough because it's a choice. We tell our things, ourselves things like, you know, God knows that I struggle to read my Bible every day. God knows that I find that difficult. And you know, he's gracious. He, he understands. He, he knows I'm trying my best. Well, no, you're not trying your best because it's a choice. I mean, do we always feel like going to work? Put up your hand if you always feel like cooking dinner. Put up your hand if you always feel like taking a, a shower every day or, or standing cooking, slaving over a stove for the kids, even though you've had a long day at work. There's always things that we don't feel like doing, but we do them anyway because we have to do them. Isn't that right? But when it comes to reading the Bible, I mean, could you imagine... Getting in from work, oh, you know, I'm just so tired, kids. You'll have to wait till tomorrow to get some food because I really can't be bothered cooking for you. 
Could you imagine? But yeah, we know we have to read the Bible and we justify that. We justify that. We say, well, well, God knows that I struggle with that. And he understands. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And people wonder why their relationship with the Lord Jesus isn't where it's supposed to be. And the list goes on. You could go on and on all day with the list. Ah, well, you know, Pastor, God understands that I struggle looking at pornography. The Lord knows I try not to. He knows it's my weakness and, you know, he understands. No, he don't. You're not trying because, hey, it's a choice. What about this one? The, The Lord knows that I struggle getting out of bed on a Sunday morning to come to church. He knew I had a bad night last night, you know, out in the town with my mates, the movies. And God understands that sometimes it's hard for me to get out of bed. No, he doesn't. It's a choice. Guys, the church here at New Beginnings is ready to see a move of God like has never been seen before. And I tell you, I want to be a part of that. A revival and an an outpouring of the Holy Ghost is coming here to this place. But before that happens, God is calling us to holiness. Listen to me. God is calling all of us to holiness. Because God expects some things from his children. There's an expectation on us as believers that God's looking for. We cannot continue to live our lives the way we want to live our lives and then expect God to do something supernatural. We have got to be everything that God wants us to be. You see, see, whenever I was first saved, I'm saved how long? How long am I saved? I don't even know. 1996, whatever that is. But you see, when I got saved, the church made it difficult to be a Christian with all its rules and regulations and, and, and do's and don'ts. But, but, I, but I like that. I feel today the church is making it too easy for people to say that they're Christian with their wishy-washy Christianity and absolutely no fear of the Lord, no fear of consequence, where we, where we think that putting our hand up in a meeting gets us saved and then we can go and live life how we want to live life. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. There's an expectation. You know, Paul says, I would never have known that coveting was wrong if the Bible hadn't have told me. How are we going to know how to live our lives if we don't read the manual? I would pastor a struggle reading the Bible, you know. God, God knows that. No. Uh-uh. Psalm 139, verse 24 says, Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Why do you think that some people continually struggle to overcome things in their lives?
Why do we think that some Christians can go days, weeks, even years and not feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? Why is it that some people struggle to read the Word of God, to pray, to come to, 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 to church Sunday morning, Wednesday night? I mean, is there, is there a desire to read the Word? Some people wonder why God's not moving in their lives. Some people wonder why they still don't know what they're called to do. Some people wonder why it's so difficult to be a Christian. Listen, church, we cannot live our lives the way that we want to live our lives and then expect God to manifest and to move and to bless and to anoint. It does not work that way. Jeremiah said, why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? See, I think what we got to understand this morning is God put us here on this planet for his purposes, not ours. God put us here on this planet for his pleasure, not ours, not ours. And when we understand that, we will, we will begin to see life from a different perspective. Isaiah 49, the, 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 the first part of verse 5, it says plainly, And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant. We're not here to enjoy ourselves. We're not here to enjoy ourselves, although enjoying ourselves and having fun is one of the, the blessings of being right with God. It's fun to be a Christian. It's exciting to be a Christian. Our purpose is not to go out into all the world and, 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 and have lots of, lots of uh, 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 fun that we can out there. Although that is one of the blessings of being right with God. We're here to enjoy the Lord. We're here to enjoy the Lord. We're here to serve the Lord. We're not here so we can wander aimlessly through life, working for our own desires and working for our own, our own pleasures, but we're here to work for the desires of the Lord. We're here to do the things that God wants us to do, which are exciting, fun-filled things. If we got revelation of why we're here, our life wouldn't be as difficult. And if we fully understand what we were created to be, then we wouldn't be in the condition that some of us find ourselves in today. If somebody were to ask, where do you see yourself in 10 years? The first thing that pops into the human mind is we think about the things that we want to accomplish. We think about the things that we want to do, places that we want to go, things that we want to achieve, us. And we forget we forget that we have got a master and that that master has got a plan for our lives. We wonder why we mess up so much because we're trying to do life by ourselves. We're trying to do the things that we want to do. But if we shift our focus just a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right and find out what God wants us to do, then everything will take on a whole new meaning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, for he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We have been chosen to be holy. Turn to the person beside you and say, you've been chosen. You've been chosen. You've been chosen to be holy. And I think the question we got to ask ourselves today is, are we living a holy life? There's a question you can keep on asking yourself every day you get up. Every night before you go to bed, you can ask personally yourself, am I living a holy life? And if the answer is no, then say, God, where can I change? What areas in my life point out any wicked way in me? Do you know God loves you more than you know? I thought I would have gotten amen. God loves you more than you know. But the thing is, God wants us to love him with all of our hearts. Do we love God? Come on, give me a shout out. Do we love God? Church, do we love God? Let the guys online hear us. Do we love God? You see, God doesn't do love. God is love. He is love. And we're put here on this planet because God created us. And he created us to worship him and to walk in his will for our lives, not our own will. And maybe it can be said that that worship is what we just experienced. Now and the team up leading us in worship. Maybe we can say that worship is at home listening to Alexa while we're washing dishes or, or, or driving in the car with UCB1 on. And that is worship. Of course it is. But it's only 5%. It's the smallest little part of what worship is. True worship to the Father is what? It's our lifestyle. How we live our lives, how we honor God, how we live for God outside of these four walls. See, if we tell lies, we are not worshiping God. If we get drunk, we are not worshiping God. If we gossip and spread rumors and talk about our brothers and sisters behind our backs in a negative way, we are not worshiping God. If we look at pornography, We're not worshiping God. If we tell and laugh at rude jokes, guess what? We're not worshiping God. If we listen to things that we listen to and and watch things that we know we shouldn't watch, that is not worshiping God. If we are having sex outside of marriage, guys, that is not worshiping God. If we're going to places where we know we shouldn't go, that is not worshiping God. He is calling us into a life of holiness. God wants to send revival through us. Are we going to let him this morning? Are we going to let him? So let me ask you, what's your purpose? What's your purpose in this life? You can walk down any street and bump into any kind of people and you can ask them, does God love you? And all of them, almost all of them will say, yes, of course he does. And do you know what? They'd be right. Because God does love everybody. Everybody. But the real question of purpose is whether or not we love him. Do we love God enough? Do we love God enough to follow his commandments? Do we love God enough to read his word? Do we love God enough to live our lives right? 
Do we love God enough to accept his son into our heart as our Lord and personal savior? Do we love him enough? Let me just get rid of one of the biggest lies the enemy's ever told humanity. One of the biggest lies that the enemy has ever told humanity is this. That God loves us so much that he lets everybody into heaven. One of the biggest lies of our time. That God loves everybody so much that everybody gets into heaven. Let me make something very clear to everybody today. And if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Please hear this. And that is God's love for us. God's love for us will not get us into heaven. Yes, he's made the provision. But God's love for us will not get us into heaven. Why? Because it's only our love for him that gets us there. We've got to accept his provision. We just can't acknowledge that we love God. We just can't say, hey, hey, I love God with our lips. That doesn't mean anything. Anton Zendor Levay, the, 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 the writer and founder of the church of Satan, thinks Satan is the God. And he will say, hey, I love God. Not our God. It's easy to say, I love God. But what does our actions say? I know this is a very hard-hitting message this morning, but the purpose of church is to equip the saints. And if I could get you to acknowledge one tiny area in your life that you know that shouldn't be there, that is hindering you from being everything that God wants you to be, then praise the Lord. Hear my heart in this message this morning. What does our actions say? It's got to be a commitment from the heart. See, it doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we used to do. It only matters who we are today in the Lord Jesus and where we want to go tomorrow. When people look at our lives, what do they see? Where's Peter? Where is he? Peter. Peter's one of the leaders here at the church. They put a, a message onto the leader's WhatsApp page yesterday. It said, and I paraphrase, when people look at our lives, do they see that we are Christian? Do they see the fruit? Is our, is our lifestyle giving off the impression that we belong to Jesus? Can we say that we really love God, folks? If I told you how to discover your purpose in life, would you want to know it badly enough that you would do whatever it takes to live out your purpose? See, you're here because God put you here on this earth. You're in this church because God put you in this church. And he put you here with a purpose and with a vision and with a plan. But if we don't know that vision, that purpose, and that plan, then 20 years will pass and we'll still be sitting on the same seats doing the same thing we always do. You're here for a purpose. Our purpose is to love him. Period.
And if we love him, then we'll, he'll do what he, then we'll do what he says, right? Our purpose is to worship him constantly in all things, in every area of our lives, to worship the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. You'd be surprised at how much some people will pay for things. You'd be surprised. Like a pair of Elvis Presley's underpants went for millions of pounds. Really? You wouldn't believe what people are prepared to pay for things. And the more something means to you, the more you're willing to pay for it, right? Think about the most valuable thing in your life right now. Just think. Think about the most valuable thing in your life. I'm not talking about your wife or your husband or your kids or grandkids. A, a thing, something. A house or a car or, or a business or, 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 or whatever. The most important thing in your life, aside from your family. Now let me ask you this question. As valuable as that thing is to you, would you pay for it with the life of one of your children? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing on this planet that is worth that. Or is there? You see, God thought that there was. He thought that you were worth it. You wouldn't believe the amount of of people that I meet who think that they're useless, who think they'll never amount to anything, who think they never get a decent job, never get a a good wife or a good husband or or never get out of the situation that they're in, and they think they're worthless. God thought you were worth something, so much so that he sent his 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 son to die on the cross for you. But that's amazing. That's amazing. You are worth the life of Jesus. So stop it. Stop putting yourself down. Stop saying you're useless. Stop saying you'll never amount to anything. Stop saying you'll never get that great job. Stop saying you'll never get that godly wife or that God. Stop it. Stop it. And certainly stop speaking out of your mouth. You are worth the life of Jesus. You are worth the life of Jesus. That's how much God thinks you are worth. And the reason why I've said that three times is because that was Niles Q. <laughs> Love you, bro. You will, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited through your ancestors. And it's not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus. And when we, when we think, when we think that the Lord Jesus Christ took the sins of the entire world upon himself as he hung on that cross, we can, we, we can start to see just how much he thought we were worth. And that's never changed. That's never changed. Let me ask you, are you a high-maintenance Christian? 
In other words, do you need a lot of attention in order to stay faithful? Do you need constant encouragement and support from, from other believers in order to stay faithful to Christ? Well, if, you, if that's you, then I've got some good news for you. Even if you are a high-maintenance Christian, and I know many who needs a lot of special attention, God still thinks that you were worth everything he did for you. He sees your significance even though you might not see it. And if he does all this for us, if he did all those things for us, and he asks us to be holy then why are we still doing our own thing? Why? Why? Why do we do it? Listen, church, we will never be all that God wants us to be if we allow sin in our lives. It's not okay to not read the Bible. It's not. I don't, your excuses don't matter. It's not okay to not read the Bible. It's not okay to not pray. It's not okay to get drunk. Listen, it's not. It's not okay. It's not okay to have sex outside marriage. It's not. It's not okay. It's not okay to look at pornography. Guys, it's just not okay. Doesn't matter what justification you might have. Oh, I struggle. It's not okay. It's not okay to tell lies. No matter how white you might think they are, it's not okay. It's not okay to fall out with somebody. It's not okay to talk about people behind their back. It's not okay. It's not okay. we got to love each other. Care for each other. Support each other. If you're struggling, tell somebody. Listen, hey, I'm struggling with porn. Come and pray with me. I'm struggling with sex outside marriage. Come and pray with me. I'm struggling. Come and pray. We're a family and we love you. We love you. There's nobody pointing fingers. There's nobody saying, hey, you're a crap Christian. There's nobody saying that. What we're saying is we love you. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. Let us walk you through your struggles. It's not okay to do those things. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. We are called to live a life of holiness. God is calling us to live a life of holiness. And I, for one, want to be a part of what God's doing. Listen to this scripture, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 14 to 16. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Guys, we're seeing people healed in this place. We're seeing people's lives changed in this place. We're seeing people's lives transformed. We're seeing marriages come back together. We're seeing people come off drugs. We're seeing people come off alcohol. We're seeing people's chains fall off them for the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're seeing people give their hearts. We're seeing people getting saved and born again by the Spirit of the living God. God is doing something here. God wants to send revival in this place. And we will see revival. We will see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But first, we have got to examine ourselves. The purpose of this message this morning is to get you to a place where you can just kneel before the Father. Not worrying about who's in and around you, but kneel in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. 
and just say, Father, forgive me. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. Take it from me. Give me the strength to say no to temptation, to say no to peer pressure, to say no to family. You want to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And do you know what? God is here. God is here. And as the band is going to play, if there's something in your life that you know shouldn't be there, and that's everybody, every single one of us, the Bible says if you say you're without sin, then you are a liar. Let's take this opportunity to come to the altar and just talk to Jesus. This is the altar. This bit of red carpet. Come to the front. Get on your face. Speak to God because you don't know what he's going to do in your heart this morning. And all of us could leave this place different than what we were when we came in. If we are open and susceptible to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Make your way to the front. Come on, get off your seats. Get off your seats. Don't just sit there. Don't say you're perfect. You're not. Don't let this opportunity pass you by because God is here. can stand, you can kneel, you can do whatever it is you want to do, just open up your heart to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords I don't know about you but I got to kneel here and I'm going to kneel here in Jesus name